When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Alan White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Monday, the best day of the year, my birthday, October 29th, 2018, from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. And if you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air here again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, the Boston Red Sox have won the World Series. Woo. We'll spend the show ripping the Dodgers, and we're also all over week eight of the NFL season and week nine in college football with commentary on the biggest surprises and storylines from this past Saturday and Sunday, along with a rundown of our picks in this week's six-pack and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting weekend of athletics. No surprise to start the show like that. Even more exciting if you live in Los Angeles. The first time ever the four major sports had sporting events happening in L.A. in like a five-mile radius. So I'm sure the traffic was glorious. I'm sure the fans got to maybe enjoy two games if they played their cards right. So exciting times to be in L.A. for some of the teams. And we will get to football. We will get to maybe a little basketball. But we'd be remiss if we didn't start with baseball and a series that as we record this, as we do every Sunday night, looks to be in the bag. If you're a fan of the L.A. Dodgers, Today is not your day. Today you are not happy to be part of one of those four sporting events. Today looks like your season is coming to an end. We discussed very briefly off air. I'm going to have you start with how you think we got here. And I posed this to on Nightcap on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio. Who is more to blame or who is more to give credit for how we got here? Meaning you're either giving Boston's bats and pitching the credit for going up 3-1 and now potentially winning the World Series, or we're putting the blame on the Dodgers pitching staff, lack of hitting, and of course, Dave Roberts. So we can get to that as we go through, but initial thoughts here as it looks like, well, let's just, let's just say it. The Red Sox are going to be the 2018 World Series champions. This is it. Well, They're going to win the Johnny, World Series. I, I, I have to say, I know you hear the disappointment in your voice as a Yankee fan as the, as the Red Sox get closer and closer to this championship. 
uh, you know, we'll back it up for the, and look at it from an overview that this is the best team. Uh, this is a team that won 108 games in the regular season. This is a team that uh, you know, took care of your team in the first round. This is a team that knocked off the defending champs who most people thought were the team to beat and beat them soundly. Uh, and this is a team that's now come and is on the verge of winning this World Series in five games. Um, a great deal having to do with a superior lineup, superior approach, better everyday players, far better management and usage of their pitching staff, and some absolutely uh, abysmal, uh, I am only guess from the outside looking at analytical-based decisions with respect to both um, their lineup and especially the usage of their bullpen and or uh, decisions with respect to bullpen usage that I think has just been abysmal. Uh, that cost them dearly in game one of this series uh, and clearly cost them uh, the very crucial flip the series game four of this series last night with some of the most moronic uh, decisions uh, I've ever seen, which basically topped the moronic decision of game one uh, when Dave Roberts pulled Baez, who was just electric uh, in game one for, uh, you know, his, his bullpen guys behind Baez. And uh, obviously it did not work out. Uh, you know, Mazden has continually come on and you know, set a record now inherited seven inherited runners they've all scored um and what he did in game one uh not leaving Baez in and, and going to woods when uh, i'm sure he knew that there was a good chance that it would get flipped for nunez nunez hits a rocket on the first pitch uh Baez has been his best reliever his best reliever uh, other than kenley jansen uh, throughout the second half of the season he was throwing missiles and he pulled his best guy uh, because of analytics, and it cost them dearly. Now, maybe they wouldn't have come back in that game, but it was only a one-run game, 5-4, and then that game's over at 8-4. And then last night is it, just inexcusable. You know, you can say whatever you want about Rich Hill. I listened to, you know, Brian Kenny, the really antichrist of baseball. Uh, I'm with uh, High Heat today about how Rich Hill's spin rate was going down. Well, of course his spin rate was going down. You know, he's 38 years old, he's in the seventh inning of a one-hitter. But, you know, he just struck out Nunez. He had a 4 nothing lead, and he had a lefty coming up. Who would I rather have? Rich Hill working on a one-hitter against a lefty or the hideous, and I mean the hideous, Scott Alexander. And then, you know, in, in the postgame, I'm sorry, Dave Roberts, who I love and I always defense, is, you know, guy who's been doing it all year. We had 13 and a half ERA in this World Series. He hasn't been doing it all year. He wasn't even on the roster for the prior series. So he hasn't been doing it all year. Every time he comes in to face a lefty, he walks him or gives up a knock. And you know, I watched the game. You, you got to watch with your eyes. Rich Hill did not give up a hard – first of all, he gave up one hit. All right? Most of the hard hit balls, all the hard hit balls are from the right side. He's facing a lefty. Right? And Brock Holder would walk and ground it up. He hadn't given up a hard hit ball by a lefty all night. Oh, Rich Hill said, you know, keep an eye on me. What? Dave Roberts is going out there and saying, you know, I, I, I got my eye. I got two eyes on you, kid. 
I went, you want to know something? You're looking great. All right, get me out of this inning. Let's get home. All right, get me through this. You're throwing great. You're my best shot. You're my best guy. Don't look over your shoulder. If I think there's a need to pull you, I will. You are throwing great. You just got Nunez. Let's get home, get one more, and get out of this four nothing, and off we go. Instead, he brings in Scott Alexander, who is pathetic, absolutely awful, who spit the bit in the 18-inning game right, uh, the other night, fumbling and stumbling his way without you know, a high toss to first base to the sliding kicker advantage that almost gave the game away. And then after he gives up his walk on four pitches, I'm going to he goes to the pathetic. Uh, I mean, what, what, else, what else can you say? The absolutely awful Ryan Manson, who once again, after he gets Jackie Bradley to pop up off of a changeup right down Broadway that should have gone 450 feet, throws the same pitch, a high changeup you know, to, to the pinch hitter. All right, Mitch Moreland, and that ball's still going. And now a 4 nothing game is suddenly 4-3. It forces you to go to Jansen early, who again gives up another bomb, as he did in the uh, game three, uh, that sent that game into extra innings. And it just absolutely abysmal decision-making, analytically driven in all probability uh, by a front office uh, led by two guys uh, in Andrew Friedman and... Uh, the uh, the general manager, Zaidi, who just live and breathe for what the computer printouts say. And it, I understand it's analytics. I understand it's taken over a good chunk of this game and its numbers and its percentages and its matchups. Here's the bottom line. The best matchup there, and I don't care what the paper and printouts say, is Rich Hill on a one-hitter against Brock Holt with Alexander never seeing the light of day. And, you know, Ryan Madsen, you know, shipped somewhere towards the sun, right? Not belonging in the game again to give it away. Instead, uh, you know, it's 4-3, then it's 4-4, and then you know, the ninth inning from hell. And, uh, you know, we are now just a few outs away after a couple of bombs off of Kershaw, who pitched pretty well tonight, uh, but not well enough. Uh, he's been bested by David Price. Uh, all the runs are scored via home run, two-run shot in the first. Uh, and then uh, yeah. Steve Pierce, two-run shot, solo shot, uh, solo shots from Martinez and, uh, and Mookie Betts, 5-1. And it looks like Price is done here. But it, the bottom line is the series is decided uh, by one of the worst decision-making scenarios by a manager motivated in all probability by a front office that does everything based upon analytics. And it can only get you so far when you don't have uh, the best players, uh, the platoon scenario, a lineup driven by matchups. Uh, you got to have guys who can play. You know, how, how do you have Kiki Hernandez going out tonight in the batting third? If he's going to play, okay, he plays. You really want him up more than Puig? You want him up more than Taylor? Uh, I mean, you want him up more than Max Muncy? How is he in the three-hole? It just, it, it, what they do with these analytics just makes no sense to me in terms of baseball eye test when a guy is performing or not performing. These are short series. They're not 162 games. They're a limited test. Okay, so a guy doesn't have time 
in a short series to come around and have the, the numbers pan out the same way they pan out over 162-game schedule. Sometimes you've got to throw the computer printouts away and go with what your eyes tell you. And they just don't do it. They didn't do it last night. It was absolutely, positively as bad a decision as I've ever seen in all my years of watching baseball. And it basically pissed away the World Series. And just so the listeners know, you remember the Babe Ruth 14-inning complete game the last time these two clubs played in the early 1900s. So it's been a long time watching baseball for you, Al. And if it's that bad, we know. You know I, 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 I was there, of course, <laughs> uh, to watch the Babe, who was the star of the series. Um, and that was the last time these two franchises met. Uh, and you know, now, uh, all these years later, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, the Red Sox have clearly the better team. They have a far better offensive approach. Uh, top the top of the major leagues and percentage of balls put in play. And, you know, that, that is, you know, analytics, analytics that, that is an important statistic. And, and you know, as their manager said the other night, you know, this is the day and age of, you know, where 230, 30, and 70 is, is deemed, uh, uh, you know, acceptable. That's not acceptable for us. You know, the ball's got to be in play. You know, he said in the post-game press conference that, you know, outs are not, all outs are not equal. You know, putting a ball in play and making it is not the same as a strike. He's absolutely right. And it shows with this team. This is a far more versatile offensive team. The ball is in play by all of their players, all of their hitters. They concentrate on putting the ball in play and making the defense work. And the Dodgers just strike out far too many times. They have too many big swingers and too many guys who can only work from one side of the plate. And you know, this is clearly the better team. And you know, they're on the verge of winning this World Series. All right, number one. The Brian Kenny antichrist to baseball comments is hilarious, and I hope that takes off. That's very funny because he does argue against some things that are beloved by a lot of fans. So, number one, a good point there as him being a potential antichrist to baseball, though he's very happy in, in some certain aspects that the bullpenning finally took its way off this year. Mm -hmm. You are right about the analytics, and it's going to take a lot of people a lot of time to accept the importance of them, but I would have to say in agreement with most of baseball, it will work over 162 games if you play your cards right, literally. It's a good thing for the game. And that's what you're doing. Right, and it'll that's work. That's literally what you're doing. You're playing blackjack. Right. It, it will most likely work in your favor. You'll at least break even in a sense to, to keep the blackjack reference going. But once the postseason comes around, once these series go down to needing to win three games, then needing to win four, you have to be able to throw some of that analytical stuff just about out the window because there's not going to be a long enough sample size for it to work as successfully as you believe it will when you're talking 162 games compared to seven or five. Number three, before I get into my rants, we can curse on this program. We have here and there. We, we haven't really gotten to the point where we can give that one word that you're now allowed to do on television. I don't know when this got passed, but seemingly after 10 o'clock, this is okay, maybe once or twice in a program. It's after 10. So let me just say to Dave Roberts, what the fuck are you doing? 
And that's coming from a Yankees fan, of course, first and foremost, but also from a baseball fan. And I'll try to explain maybe a little bit of where I'm coming from. In game one, you can understand, okay, leave Kershaw in a little bit longer, leave Baez in a little bit longer, maybe pinch hit freeze when that situation came up. It's game one. It's Chris Sale. You'll swallow it. Okay. We'll get past it. They lost. Game two, the bias the decision was an awful. It, it was an awful decision. It was an, it was a brutal decision. It absolutely put the game on ice for the Red Sox. And when you had a chance to get out of that with your best guy out there and you took your best guy out, it's the bottom line. You took your best guy out who hadn't given up a knock against lefties in forever. All right. And if he stays out there, he's not going to pinch it for, he's not going to pinch it for Devers. So you, I, I'm taking my chances. Okay, with well, this guy who's throwing 97 and he's blowing lefties away the second half of the season, I'm making Devers beat me. I don't want Alex Wood and Nunez. I, I don't want the Alex Wood. I don't know how you like that matchup better. I, I don't know how. I don't know what numbers tell me I like that matchup better versus a guy who's getting everybody out and throwing 98. It, it's it's nuts. It doesn't make sense. The, those analytics you don't make sense to me. So those, in game- numbers, those numbers don't match. No. All right? And the eye test wins out all in a short series when it's a critical scenario. And dealing with the eye test is perfect for game two. And I know it's David Price, and I know he's had his struggles. You had to assume eventually he's going to get out of it. But even in any scenario, you have to view a game two as you're still facing a very good pitcher, at least in theory. Dave Roberts still, because it's a lefty, has on the bench to start the game the NLCS MVP in Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Jock Peterson, and you could throw the fourth in there to, to make the number even worse, but 60-plus home runs sitting on your bench, players that can give you a spark and have throughout the season and in the postseason on their bench because a lefty is on the mound. According to the morning men and Evan Cohen, so take the first with a grain of salt, but take Evan at, at someone that would make sure this stat was particularly correct. And you may have heard this coming into the game from what they discovered, Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy had faced David price in their careers zero times. So just because he's a lefty, you assume they're not going to be successful in game two because he doesn't throw the ball with his right arm. He throws it with his left. Bellinger doesn't get to the plate until the eighth. He just won the NLCS MVP. Now, granted, he only had five hits in that series. Regardless, that's not a guy that's going to come off your bench and be a successful pinch hitter. He needs some sort of flow of the game. I can't get my head around how you can sit those guys on the bench when you saw what happened to your offense in the first game. You need somewhat of a spark. I think it's worth taking the risk, even if you just put out half of those guys. And we're seeing it tonight. In a winner go home game, batting third, Kiki Hernandez, uh, well, Cody Bellinger the on Kiki? the bench. I, I understand he had the wonderful stretch last year, the three homers against the Cubs. He's been abysmal the entire postseason, awful against lefties, awful against everybody. And tonight you put him in the three hole. First of all, I wouldn't even play him. All right. I would have played Kemp in left field and, and I would have had. Uh, Taylor in center, uh, but to have him in the three hole is just—it's it, it, amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you know he comes up and comes up tonight, 
you know, they're down two one. Already made it one. First, Freeze goes out of the yard to make it two one. Turner walks on five pitches. So you, you've got Price on the ropes early. Swings at the first pitch, grounds into a double play. Rally killer. Goodbye. Comes up with uh, you know Freeze on third, two away. Uh, you know, grounds out. He's done nothing the entire season. He picked on a hanger last night, hit a meaningless home run. He's done absolutely nothing the entire postseason, but the love affair with this guy just rolls on, and you continue and you put him in the three hole. How you put him in the three hole is beyond me, absolutely beyond me. And then of course you've got the Jismani Grindal horror show, who continues to get big at bats, uh, lifetime average, possibly the lowest in the history of, of postseason, uh, with the qualifying number of at bats. Uh, he has become the worst postseason hitter, uh, surpassing Nick Swisher that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, barely hitting 100, striking out 40% of his at-bats lifetime, over 50% of his at-bats this postseason. Every time he's come up in a big spot, he's struck out. Every time, including last night. Uh, again, pinch hitting, uh, striking out, Joe blown away by Joe Kelly uh, with first and third uh, in the bottom of the eighth. He, and, and he looks absolutely defenseless, absolutely defenseless uh, in, in these big at-bats. Never even puts it in play. And I, I just, I defend Dave Roberts time after time because I like Dave Roberts. I think he's a good manager. And I, I have to believe the decisions he's made have been driven by upstairs because he's continually defending, you know, this has worked all year long. That's worked all year long. You know, we've got the lefty-lefty matchup. You got the lefty-lefty matchup with Hill. He's pitching to one hitter. Got to bring in Scott Alexander to walk a guy in four pitches. You know, that, and don't know he hasn't worked on well all year. He hasn't gotten it done for you all year. He's been, oh, you, you, you got him in a trade. All right. He wasn't even on the roster in the prior series. All right. He wasn't that good during the regular season. And his ERA is 13 and a half. So he hasn't gotten it done for you all year. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. But he continually tries to make excuses for these decisions that I am sure are driven by upstairs. You need to have a feel for your baseball club. You need to have that feel, the feel amplified in the postseason when these games mean so much more than they do in 162 season. For him to say after game two when asked why all these guys are on the bench, saying that he's playing the lineup for the perform, not for the performances, but for the pitchers. Well, if that's the case in game three, Alex Cora should have just had Chris Sale go out there and throw underhand left-handed just so they might put out that left-handed lineup and think that that's going to make a difference. You need a feel for your ball club, and we saw that happen in Game 3. Nathan Evaldi's supposed to start Game 4. They need an arm in a game where Alex Cora is going for the jugular, which even though they're the Red Sox, I loved. He throws seven innings in relief, an impeccable performance left one hanging and that that ended up being the game but for him to make that move and to not worry about the next game and to just say this guy's hot he's throwing hard he's got control we're gonna ride him as long as we possibly can the end result didn't work for them because the one through four hitters were hitting oh for the month of october but still and look it, it it should have come back to bite him in the ass it should have. I thought it was a moronic decision to blow my starter, all right, who's been throwing great. Right? And I, I, I would think I would have the advantage in game four with him starting as well as he's been going. But he blows him out in game three. 
So now he's at a disadvantage. And then he adds insult to injury because I thought everything was everything now had lined up for the Dodgers in terms of their rotation was set up uh, because Avaldi is gone. And as Joe Kelly, by the way, just blows away the Dodgers in the eighth in relief for Price. Just absolutely blows away Jock Peterson and Kemp uh, and Ballinger. Just Joe Kelly, the former Cardinal, who I desperately want back in free agency, once again looking unhittable after two terrific innings last night. So, I uh, look, these decisions should come back and bite you in the ass. Cora spends his starter, loses the game, all right? Has to go to his young lefty, who gives him five great innings, and then after a botched potential double play ball with the bases loaded, or at least don't turn it into a throwing error and a run, he leaves him in. And and that goes totally by the boards and swept under the rug because of the railing, and he gives up a three-run bomb to Puig when he throws him a center-cut fastball right down Broadway. He should have been out of the game. I couldn't believe he left him in. But he leaves him in to face Puig. He hits a monster home run. It's 4 nothing. Game should be over, and we should be ripping Cora to shreds. But again, he comes out smelling sweet because the Dodgers, in their infinite wisdom, give it right back with a moronic decision of their own by going with guys who haven't gotten the job done versus a starter who has pitched his heart out and is showing absolutely no signs of letting up, except, of course, you know, Brian Kenny said his spin rate is, is is down, so he's got to come out of the game. You know, he's 38 years old. It's the seventh inning. Well, yeah, of course, his spin rate is down. Uh, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, we For Scott Alex Scott Alexander, Scott Alexander and Ryan Bassett, two guys who suck. All right, literally suck. We're not talking about Joe Kelly. We're not talking about any of the other Boston relievers who have come out and done an absolute tremendous job out of the pen, not just their starters have been terrific out of the pen, but their right-hand relievers who've been terrific out of the pen. None of those guys. No, no, we're not talking about those guys. We're talking about the guys who just spit the bit for you the other night. And you give them a chance to do it again, and they don't let you down. They go out there and perform like the dogs that they are. And you kiss the World Series goodbye because your analytical front office, all right, has to go by what the paper says once the computer prints it out. You know, every once in a while, you have to take the computer print out and you have to shove it up your ass. And that's exactly what they can do with it. And that's what they should have done with it last night. And that's what the Red Sox did to them. Better team? Absolutely. Better players? No doubt about it. Deeper, more versatile lineup? Clearly. Better bullpen? Absolutely. Despite all that, you had a chance. You had a chance to win this World Series. You had a chance to even this World Series up with your ace on the mound, full rest. We have no idea what would happen today. Everything is different. You can't say, well, they'd be up 5-1 in the eighth and go home up 3-2. You have no idea. You had a chance to put that game away. It was right there for you. But no, you couldn't do it because the computer told you not to. And as we know, you don't have to be the best team on paper to win a World Series. And oftentimes it doesn't go that way. It might be the worst perceived team that does win because they get hot at the right time and they're able to do the small things. 
this this is a series where you can look at where the Dodgers made mistakes. I think just slightly more than you can look at where the Red Sox made successes. Oh, absolutely. They, they made defensive mistakes in game one behind Kershaw. They were awful. You know, David Freeze, who I love, misplays the pop-up. There shouldn't have been no runs in the first. You know, they scored two. Uh, some shoddy defense, uh, you know, around second base. Uh, a double play that clearly should have been turned. That In Madsen's defense would have gotten him out of a bases-loaded, uh, no-out jam uh, to keep that game at 3-3. Uh, after he struck out J.D. Martinez on three pitches, he gets what should have been a 6-4-3, uh, started nicely by Machado, and the, the turn at second base by Dozier was just way too slow. And the hustling Bogarts beats it out. Baez follows with the base hit. Uh, excuse me, Deborah follows with the base hit. 5-3, that's all she wrote. Um I shouldn't say it's all she wrote, but you know, it gets to five four, and then uh, you know the next thing you know, and the Dodgers didn't hit in those spots, key spots. Dodgers didn't hit. Machado bases loaded, nobody out. Fly ball to make it five four. You want more to fly ball there. I know you want to score that run, but you want to do damage. You want your guy to not bust the game open. I want something that's going to score me two runs. You know, earlier, you know, in three two, he had gotten the ground ball up the middle to make it three three. Okay, that I can live with. You're down in the count. All right. Got to make sure you get that 3-3 runner. But 5-3 bases, juice, nobody out against a pitcher who just walked his money, Grindel, all right, who can't hit to save his life. Just walked him. You swing at the first pitch, a cutter breaking away off the end of the bat center field. 5-4. Uh, th- that's just not what you're looking for. There. Then, of course, they could not do anything else uh, You know, the, the rest of the inning. And then the game's put away with a three-run bomb and the yield decision ill-advised decision there to take buyers out of the game. And, you know, Robert's decisions last night supposedly, you know, handcuffed because Baez and, uh, uh, and the young lefty, uh, Urias not available. How, I don't know, but, you know, not available nonetheless. Well, you want to know something? That means you work around it. You work around it by going with your starter. You, you just can't let those two guys into the games when your starter is pitching one hitter. And, you know, I, I, I just don't get it. Just don't get it. Never will. Uh, it, it pisses me off, not because I want either one of these teams to win or lose, because I want the game played the right way. This is the game I love. This is the game I cherish. And right now, it's not being played the right way. It's being played for shit. All right? And it pisses me off. Plus, it's going to cost me watching more baseball, which really pisses me off. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And it's been said on here, you need to get lucky with your shit in postseason series, especially in the World Series. In order to win it, you need the bounces to go your way. And you've just mentioned countless occasions in this series where it was the Dodgers making the mistake and the Red Sox taking advantage of it. We saw it even in game four. One through four for the Red Sox. Couldn't buy a hit. Couldn't get an analytical statistic to help them to save their life to get on base. I think going into the eighth inning in game four, the one through seven spots had one hit total. Dodgers couldn't take advantage. Dodgers couldn't Nothing. really take advantage in game three when they couldn't hit. It took them 18 innings. They they got the four runs, yes. One came 
as part of a three-run home run in Game 4. And looking in tonight in Game 5, okay, those guys aren't hitting. Well, look who hits the big home runs. Mookie Betts finally gets a hold of one. J.D. Martinez finally gets a hold of one. And if you want any clarification for needing to be lucky with your shit, Steve Pierce, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be your World Series MVP, most likely. The Jim Lehrman's lookalike. The, the Scott Brocious... The, there's a countless list of names from World Series champions where you can look at one or two guys and think, wow, I mean, they were uh, decent players, maybe above average players, but they played lights out when it mattered most. Game record last night. Steve Pierce, ladies Tying and gentlemen. Tying home run, bases loaded double, four RBIs in the last He did everything. Innings. Tonight, two-run bomb, solo shot. Second would be David Price. Finally got the monkey off his back finally was able to put all the playoff demons aside and and basically have an impact. Coming into this game, he either pitched as a starter, came in relief, or was warming up in the bullpen in every game in the World Series. The man wanted the ball. The man came up, and he was ready for the moment. You got to tip your cap when you can, and, and he deserves it for this series, and so does Steve Pierce, if you can believe it. So everything everything's gone right. Kershaw. He will wear this one as well. Right. 0 2 in this series. Feel terrible for him. Uh, just, you know, the best pitcher of, of this, oh, how should we say, generation, so to speak. You know, the, the, the best starter of the last decade uh, from top to bottom over time. Been brilliant. Uh, well, it's hard to say, hey, uh, the pressure is so big. You basically can only give up maybe one run if you're lucky because right. the one run support probably won't be there or the defense. Right. So, hey, good luck, man. It's right. all on you. That's a right. lot to ask for right. even somebody who's Clayton Kershaw. So I have to and ask feel, this, too. I feel badly for him because I always root for him because I think he's a great guy. He always wears it. Right. Uh, when he comes up short, doesn't pitch well. Uh, had some, you know, an, an excellent the biggest start of the postseason for them. Uh, you know, in, uh, in in game five against the Brewers uh, that got them up 3-2 where he was tremendous and bounced back from, again, a game one that was they, where they kicked the ball over the field and Shemani Gridal couldn't catch the ball uh, that really let him down. And a similar start here in game one, uh, he didn't look right in Boston in the cold, uh, didn't get a lot of bite on the breaking ball, shot a defense behind him again. Uh, tonight looked a lot better, was rolling along uh, after the Pierce two-run homer, but then a couple bombs, and uh, that's all she wrote. So I'll ask this, since we don't technically have a live show when this does go live on Monday night, we've already said what we needed to say. This series is, is over. I don't, I'm not putting on the television to watch the celebration, as I'm sure a lot of those in the Northeast that, like a pinstripe team, are doing the same. Is the storyline for Monday or for this upcoming Halloween week going to be more on the success of Boston since they've broken the curse and, and even in the past five, six, seven years or so? Or more recently, the Dodgers getting two, two World Series and not being able to get the job done? Uh, I think it's going to be bigger with Boston because of the 108 wins. And what they did to win this and going through a Yankee team that a lot of people thought was very strong and uh, was very strong and might beat them. And a Houston team that most people thought would beat them. And then whether it's because of what we said or 
a combination of skill, good fortune. Uh, well, we have said that skill, good fortune, bad decision making, uh, and bad baseball by the Dodgers, both offensively and defensively. Regardless, I mean, you could you look at it from the point of view that from the numbers, which we talk about, we don't like, but just in terms of wins, the Dodgers are the worst of the three teams they play, and it's you know not close. The other two teams that they beat were hundred win teams. Um, granted, a depleted American League, but still. Uh, this is the best team in the National League. The best team in the National League this year is not nearly as good as the best team in the American League. And that's really the biggest overview of it for me. Right. And, and it's, it. it's easy to say that the best team in baseball won this year. We don't always get that, but I, I think it's going to be hard to argue that in 2018 that's not the case. And one of the things I like to do is, is when I compare teams is I look at the players and I go position by position. And, you know, I mean, go position by position. Who would you rather have in the outfield, Puig or Bats? I want yeah, Kiki Bats. Hernandez batting third. You know, who, who would you rather have, Jackie Bradley Jr. or whoever they put in center? I'd rather have Jackie Bradley Jr. Who would you rather have in left? You know, I, I'd rather have Ben attending. You know, where, where did the Dodgers win the matchups? You know, maybe at shortstop uh, with Machado and at third with Turner. That's really about it. That's really the only place. They win an overall matchup, and you want to make the argument they win the first base matchup. Well, not the way Steve Pierce is playing, although David Freeze has been terrific for the you know, for the Dodgers. But the, the overall best players, uh, depth wise, as you analyze the two teams, are, are clearly with the Red Sox. You can tell it's the World Series because we got ten to fifteen minutes left in the show, and we've already spent a good portion talking baseball and I love it. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the best topics to have to talk about, but still it's, it's well, not when you're a Yankee fan. That's no, for sure. Not when you're a Yankees fan and not when the Red Sox go through you to get to where their final destination is. It's one of those years and it's been a rough go since 2009 until now. Boston has been the better franchise and I hope that turnaround is more quick than it is slow because if they can manage to bring back three quarters of their team next year, a lot of young guys, a lot of talent, if they can hold on to the core, because it has been funny. They have been successful going on four championships now since the curse, right? There's, there's not, Indeed. there's not Indeed. one or two guys that have been with them on this team. This is a whole new group of guys. It's a new coach. The it's, it's a new the, ol the only regular player. On this roster from 2013 is Xander Bogarts. Right. Amazing. It's only five years ago. Well, and, and Dustin Pedroia's in the dugout, but I said the <laughs> not regular player. Right. Regular player. Pedroia's on. Pedroia's been crazy. He, he, he's the only guy. And that's to me, that's extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. In the NFL, what is your biggest takeaway from week seven on this Sunday? I, I have a feeling uh, you, really could start, there, you could start with your Ravens, but uh, maybe we can go I, I, elsewhere. I would say really that nothing changed. Yep, uh, you're right. As, as we sit right now with the Saints up 30 to 20 in Minnesota, um, the three best teams in the National Football League are still the three best teams in the National Football League. Uh, excuse me, four. Uh, we don't count New England uh, in the mix because they didn't play you know, this weekend. They'll play tomorrow night. But off of this weekend so far, 
uh, three of the four best teams, and probably the three best teams are still the three best teams. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Since we're New York, New Yorky based, I guess a quick thought on the Giants for what you think they're going to do for the rest of this. Is it better? I want to- you to make this. I want you to make this as quick as possible because it really doesn't merit discussion because they stink. Right. Right. So uh, it's they, it's they like positively a- stink. <laughs> and I, 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 the the coach has said that Eli Manning's a quarterback. So there you go. Is it better to 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 tank this now? and just play for that draft pick or should the coaching staff and management still think they have a shot? I don't think it's going to matter. How's it going to matter? They're going to put in a quarterback. who has got no experience and he'll get killed behind an offensive line. That's seven blocks of silly putty, or they leave a, you know, a relic in there who can't get out of his own way. And even when he does make a good throw, they can't catch it. Right. Um, so they're going to wind up with basically the best of both worlds, because people said, well, you know, they should have taken the quarterback. Instead, they took the great running back. Well, the great, they got the great running back. They're going to stink again. So they're going to get a shot at whoever the best quarterback is, because they're going to be three and 13 again. And I'm, I'm probably being generous. Because they still only got one of their, they're not even halfway to three wins. I don't know if they're going to get there, but they're going to get a top flight draft pick. And who ahead of them is taking quarterbacks? All the, everybody's got quarterbacks, even the teams that stink. Good teams don't have quarterbacks, like Jacksonville. Right? The teams who suck, they got quarterbacks. There's, there's another strike over Kiki Hernandez, by the way. Second last out of the, second last out of the series. Um, just, just as an update for all you fans out there, uh, the, the Kiki Hernandez fan club in the three-hole, in the three-hole, with a, with a Little League-esque swing as he half takes and then takes a, a chopping half swing at a Chris Sale, I couldn't tell it was a slider or a breaking ball, but looking like me at the plate is the best. And I know I suck, but I, I couldn't I couldn't have sucked any worse than that on it on this week. Uh, and ironic that uh, your future shortstop Manny Machado looks like he'll make the last out of this World Series. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not liking that if that ends up being the case. But we'll have a whole off season to be uh, angry and bitter and and talk trade rumors. But if it were up to me, it would be a no. I don't make the big He's going to be your shortstop. Oh, God, help us. You, you know he's what's going to hurt? What hurts this is Didi Gregorius at Tommy John, and he'll be out That's what? That's why he's gonna summer be your at least. Yeah, it, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I think Didi, they're going to do it. Didi's going to have Tommy John, and, oh, by the way, is due to be a free agent. Right, and they're going to say so, it was out of necessity, not – Of course. Oh, uh, God. Let's, yeah. <laughs> what a night. Let's let's not stay there. Let's go to the uh, the AFC North. Any concerns, or is it still too well, early? To of course, there's concerns. The, the supposed tremendous best defense in football now has been beaten up two weeks ago, two weeks in a row by the NFC South. You know, they, they come off an 11 sack performance, a shutout against where they bully the Titans. They have a, you know a, a, a two score lead against the Saints. They fall apart there, and they get obliterated today by Carolina. You know, at Carolina, they had picked apart by Cam Newton. They can't run the ball. Three turnovers to none. And there's Manny Machado, your future shortstop, striking out to end the uh, to end the uh, the World Series as the last six outs for the Dodgers are appropriately strikeouts. Catch the fever. 
Dodgers right. Nation. The bu- the Bengals, real quick, the, 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 the Boston, the Boston's had some bad luck with this whole win in the World Series on the road. <laughs> it was 2013. They won it at home, right? The other three have been on the road. They got to start uh, throwing these games. Anyway, uh, and by the way, and by the way, when they get there, sweep, sweep, six against my Cardinals, five against the Dodgers. Yeah, it, all right. It, it hasn't uh, been on paper. It's not close. They had the they six finish. games. They okay, finish. but whew. they finish. Um, there's grave concern. I mean, you know, look around. The Steelers obliterated the Browns, so they're back in great shape. Uh, the Bengals give away a big lead against Tampa, come back and win it with a, a field goal at the gun. So they're five or three. The, the Ravens fall to four and four. They still have to play the Falcons, uh, you know, in the NFC South. They still have to play uh, the Bengals and the Steelers again. They lost to the Browns right, in overtime. The New Orleans loss was an awful loss. Uh, they already lost to the Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, the Ravens right now, that, that great defense is falling apart. And like I said, there are three turnovers. They caused none. So uh, you know, they're, they're in dire straits. You know, you've got an AFC where, uh, where the wild card's coming from. Good question. Because, you know, you look around in the West. Well, Denver gets, I don't say pounded. They, they, but, they, they know, found a way to, to backdoor Kansas, cover. <laughs> loses to Kansas City today. All right. Uh, yeah, right now it, it, it's looking like, uh, you know, Kansas city, the chargers, all right. Uh, the Steelers, the Bengals, uh, out of nowhere, Houston, who the guy I'm criticized and said, let's wait. Okay. Well, I, I will now admit is playing great and has carried his team from 0-3 to 5-3. and Yeah, he listens. They've taken control of a hideous division, and Jacksonville's falling apart. And the AFC East looks like it always looks. All right, New England and everybody else. So the Ravens are in the mix at 4-4, four and four, but they're probably going to be battling where they're always battling. They're going to be battling for that second wild card with one of the teams from their own division. That's what it looks like. Because I think the Chargers are going to win 10 to 11 games, and I think it's going to come down to the Ravens you know, uh, versus uh, the Bengals uh, and or the Steelers, whichever one doesn't win the division. Well, if you go against the Bengals, you've got Marvin Lewis on your side. So you should feel good about that if we get there. <laughs> we at least have that going for us. Tuesday. All I, know, all I know is he keeps making the playoffs. He doesn't win a playoff yeah, game, but exactly. he's the Tuesday, the college football playoff official first ranking comes Can't out wait. of the top 25. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Who you got? Fun. For your top four. Going to be fun. Uh, Alabama charging hard and looking very strong. The Clemson Tigers, uh, who basically have obliterated everyone except my alma mater and are looking stronger and stronger with each passing game. Uh, I'm flipping a coin at three and four, but I'm giving Notre Dame the edge simply because they haven't lost yet. Um, And because of who they've beaten and uh, how well they've played uh, in big games. And they've had a bunch of them because, you know, when teams beat really good teams and then all of a sudden those teams aren't playing as well, but what they were really good when they beat them, I give them credit for when they beat them. And LSU has beaten some really good teams. Uh, so I've got LSU in the four hole, but coming hard on the outside is literally everybody else. Uh, you know, Georgia, 
this week goes in in the largest outdoor cocktail party and kicks Florida's ass. Michigan is playing really, really well, but I still have to see it. All right, against a top flight opponent, which I haven't seen a top flight opponent. I'll believe it when I see it. Am I rooting for it? Absolutely. Um, and look, you know, I know they can't stop a strong wind, but their only loss is at the gun to a good Texas team. Uh, I've got Oklahoma coming hard as well. Uh, it's going to all play itself out. And I think the Oklahoma kids, I think the Oklahoma's going to have the Heisman Trophy for two consecutive years. Um, the Murray kid is just doing extraordinary things. He's going to be the athletic center fielder, but I think this year he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, they rolled over Kansas State. Uh, I think they're going to wind up rolling through the Big 12. Uh, and I think they're going to wind up uh, in this mix uh, in, in the Final Four because it's going to play itself out. Alabama and LSU. This weekend, Georgia, uh, if they beat Kentucky, will be in the SEC title game against one of those teams. Michigan still got to play Ohio State. Um, you know, Clemson, to me, the one team that's guaranteed pretty much in is Clemson. Clemson's not going to lose. So it'll all play itself out, but it's getting very wild and woolly right now because really you've got seven, eight teams all in the mix. Yeah, and it's easy to just go chalk, and that's what I'll do for this just because it's still a little bit early and there's still huge games to be played even as early as this upcoming Saturday. Give me the three undefeateds, and I'll throw LSU in there. Having to go down to Florida is obviously a tough way to lose, but beating Georgia was impressive. Michigan, I don't really love the strength, I guess, of who they've beaten. They haven't been a team that has been a team that I have to like turn on the television and watch so far. We'll see what happens when they play Penn state this Saturday, they blow them out. That's a great win. Even if they win, they don't have to blow them out. It's a great win. still too early to tell, but I don't have a problem just going with chalk as it stands, the three undefeateds. And and I like what LSU has done. They're a 14 point underdog at home against Alabama. That's the most points as an underdog since 99. So if they need any added motivation for that game, I guess they could put that up on the chalkboard and have Ed Ogeron try to say that with a complete sentence or two. That's going to be an exciting game. I'm, I'm excited about, and look, you know, Alabama, they they may kill him, but I thought they were going to lose to Georgia. I would love to see, LSU give them a snootful in Death Valley, all right? Because uh, to me, that's a, just a, a great site for college football, and I, I would love to see it, uh, that game go down to the last possession, a couple of minutes to go, and see this quarterback get tested. Uh, look, I know he got tested last year, thrown into the fire in the national title game, but I, I want to see him get tested. Regular season game, you know, life on the line game on the line we haven't had it all year i'd love i'd love to see it quickly to the picks couple minutes left you had all pluses this week for college or as in the underdogs how did we fare this week with the underdog approach i know you're you're cused it okay it's too bad they couldn't Yours score that, that many going, against going Clemson. with the puppies which is rare for me uh cuse got me a nice uh, outright win uh, against nc state uh, Navy, I took plus 24 against Notre Dame. I love the academies. They were getting thumped, but they had a nice comeback, uh, you know, and, and, and they covered uh, with a 22-point loss. And uh, disappointed in A&M. Uh, they've been playing really, really well. I love Jimbo, but they went into Mississippi State. 
uh, as a slight dog, and they uh, they lost the game, and I thought that they would win. So I went two and one on the college front. Penn State minus five and a half. I think that number dropped to that. I, I thought it was a little bit higher earlier in the week. Luckily, a cover against Iowa. Good enough. Good enough. Kentucky plus seven. Did I type that correctly? Were they really get, getting seven points in that game? A lot of respect for Missouri. Ah, I, I don't know if it should have been minus seven or plus, but if if it really was, I won that one. Win in the, win in the last play of the game after a terrible interference call in their favor. But uh, you would have had a, let's see, what was the final in that game? 15-14, I think it was. Did they kick the extra points? I don't think so. Or not? I don't think so, because it would have been the last play. Or maybe they did. In the pros, they kicked the extra point. Did they make them kick the extra point in college? I thought they were down 14-9. to nine. So I don't think they kicks the extra point. So I think you, you still would have had the W in plus seven. Texas minus three. Texas is not back to the NFL. <laughs> uh, as good a weekend as, as, as I can have. Yeah, it was two solid. and one, two and one, and I will take it and run like a thief in the night. Uh, I like Seattle. I think they're the most underrated team. Uh, I think they're going to be right in the mix for a playoff spot. I, I love Russell Wilson. Uh, they hammered Detroit today. That game was seven nothing Detroit. Then it was twenty eight seven Seattle. They were uh, uh, they were plus three. Um, I uh, I went with uh, I went with Minnesota tonight as a home dog, and uh, that did not work. New Orleans continues to roll. A huge interception return for a touchdown uh, to get that to a two score game against. Uh, you know, the, the God, how much money is he making? Uh, is he making a hundred million? Do you get a hundred million dollar contract? John Gruden got the hundred million dollar contract. Well, how, how much money, how much money is he making? Enough. The Minnesota, the Minnesota <laughs> quarterback. What was the size of that contract? Enough. Right. He, uh, um, and he turned down and, a, a job opportunity to get more money. So, Hey, living and, the dream. And, and I had, and I had a nice duke with, uh, you know, anytime you fade, uh, you know, the Giants in less than a field goal game, that, that's a route to take. You know, so I took Minnesota as a slight favorite against the Giants. I went with the big numbers just to be cute this time around and, and see if it would work. I hate doing this, but once in a while you throw it out there. Chiefs minus nine. No, thank you. Steelers minus eight. Luckily, a court. And, and I mean, that's terrible because they always play the Browns close seemingly, but I think once the Browns get a couple games under their belt, it will be more in favor of taking that plus eight. So got that one. And then, you know, the Rams just eking out seven and a half. This dropped to earlier in the week. I was seeing Aaron Rodgers getting 10 points. I mean, that's even though the Rams are the Rams, that's still strong. So they were able to cover and had an opportunity to at least have us watch Aaron Rodgers attempt to make another miraculous comeback. Unfortunately, a decision was made to take the ball out of the end zone and not give the maximum amount of time to your star quarterback and to top it all off, fumble. Not the best way to end the game. And shout out to Todd Gurley, too. Could have went in and scored a touchdown that would have put his team up by eight. You assume they kicked the extra point, but hey, you'd still be giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers down eight with time left. He decides to just go down, not score the touchdown. Exactly. Disappointed the boys in Vegas, disappointed fantasy football owners, but he wanted to get the W, so I got to give him a shout-out for that. Exactly. Exactly. 
All those who bet the Rams, not happy campers, and Todd Gurley couldn't care less. And one word or less, quickly in the NBA, should we be worried about the Lakers yet? No, they continue, they continue to compete and, and lose close games against really good teams. You know, sooner or later, they're going to play some stiffs. Um, you know, they, they are li- literally losing these games by one on one and two possessions at, at the end of games. And that will slowly but surely start to, to turn the other way as time goes on. Uh, you know, the goal here is, you know, 45 to 50 wins. That's the goal. No, is my answer. We're good. <laughs> We're good so far. Al, it's always a pleasure. Boston fans, thanks for listening to the show. We'll put it that Folks, way. Folks, it's the kid's birthday, so I want birthday wishes to come in from all corners of our listening audience for John Tinylon, who hits the big 29, still not half his partner's age. Everybody have a great week, Johnny. Great birthday. Talk to you next week. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. 